Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today I have AJ Sanford with me. AJ, thank you for taking time out of your afternoon. Thank you for having me, Dave. And what part of the world are you in today? I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. It's a balmy 20 degrees here. But last week it was a little bit colder. Yeah, we had negative like 50 degree wind chills. It was miserable. Oh my God. I can't even just feel like I'm not leaving the hotel. Um, you don't leave your house. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you are a senior consultant at Leading Agile. Can you explain to the folks what that entails before we get into the topic? Absolutely. So I work within a transformation to really help teams to align, to improve their flow of work, create predictability, and then improve overall quality. Okay, cool. All right, so in today's topic, we're going to take a topic out of the parking lot in class. So this is sort of a student question. Um, when I do the CSM and the CSPO classes, there are oftentimes questions left at the end of the class, stuff that is kind of out of the scope of what we're trying to cover in a certification class, but people still have these questions. We want to try to give them answers. So um, this is a topic that is uniquely suited to AJ's background. So I'm just going to bring up the topic and AJ, maybe you can explain why, why this is kind of totally in your wheelhouse and then we can get into talking through it. Um, but the question kind of revolved around how do you use scrum when you have to coordinate with waterfall teams. And I think you can probably replace Scrum. How are you gonna have Agile teams and waterfall teams coexisting in the same space and not have them kill each other or the organization? Before you answer, okay. why are you the right person for this question? So my history, the teams that I've worked with have really been both Agile and waterfall. So my most recent position, I was a coach, an Agile coach with an organization. And we had to work with operational teams. We had to work with development teams that were not participating in the Agile transformation quite yet. We've had teams that were a pilot team, and so nobody else was transforming. So I've seen different facets of it, and I've seen it work. I've also worked with release and deployment teams and trying to coordinate some of the Agile teams along with waterfall teams from that perspective as well. Okay. When you Before we go into the commingling in the environment, can you explain to folks, and I, and I don't know what you're going to say here, I'm just curious to hear what your thoughts are on it. When you talk about a pilot, being on the internal side, what was your expectation of that? Like, what was it going to tell you? Pilot was going to tell us really how work was going to ultimately flow through the system that team was more of a dependence, uh, had no dependencies, excuse me. So they were not reliant on other teams' work, which made that pilot um, an easier one. Now, I shouldn't say they weren't entirely non-dependent. They just may have had one or two teams that they were going to be having to, you know, get some work from throughout the pilot. So we wanted to see ultimately from an agile perspective how the work flowed through the system with the different uh, levels. So a portfolio team, program team, and delivery team, how that work flowed through the system and ultimately how we got to deploying things quicker um, and having more visibility into the system. Okay, cool, thank you. I think that's a really good, healthy explanation. I've run across a lot of people who, or I've worked on pilots where when we went in, for whatever, I don't know what sales guy, this is not a leading agile, this is other companies, but, whatever sales guy promised something and the expectation was the pilot was where we showed them how the company was going to do agile perfectly. 
And we were like, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen here. This nope. is going to show you how much it's going to hurt when you try to do it. Um, <laughs> okay, so so you're in these organizations, in an organization, and there's Waterfall, and there's now people trying to do Agile. What kind of tr struggles, or what kind of problems cropped up for you? Or did you notice right away? Well, so I think there's really two different things that I have seen. The first is if a, an organization is just getting their transformation underway. So there's really some different struggles if you're in that, in that section. Um, if you've moved on, you've made some progress on your transformation, you've got solid release planning happening, I think that there's some different struggles that happen. Um, within there. So I think you need to look at it kind of from two different perspectives. Okay, two different stages. So maybe in the beginning stages, um, what do you think people should focus on? Well, I think the key really is communication. And I'm going to say that again as we talk about the second stage, if you will. So communication is going to kind of be the overlying theme here. So, you know, I think you have different situations even within these stages, if you will. So you've got a scrum team dependent on a waterfall team, um, a waterfall team that may be dependent on an agile team, or you may have dependencies on each other. So once you're really kind of starting to transform and you start to look across, you know, you're getting your cadence down, you're starting to have your sprint planning meetings, you're in a phase of mind blown, don't know what's happening, everything's moving really fast, you're not really thinking about the next step or whom else might be involved. Um, heads seem to be spinning a little bit at that point, and I think that's okay. I think we expect that as you know, consultants coming in. That's why we're here. We're here to help make sense of that and ask some of these questions. Um, you know, I think that one of the you know the number one goal across all of this is that teams must be aligned on delivering quality. They have to have value to the customer. And it has to be done quickly and efficiently. So I think as you know, organizations look at this and they talk about what kind of impact they're going to have on other teams, everybody has to have one common goal in mind. So you need to pull those people in. You need to align those resources um, and get aligned on a timeline. Okay. Can we dig into this one a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. And I'm going to try to play devil's advocate um, a little bit. So... The alignment, you talked about getting alignment on quality, alignment on kind of a schedule or delivery dates and, and communicating a lot. Um, I'm thinking about the fact that in this organization, there is going to be a segment that is still functioning like a traditional waterfall organization with a management layer that still believes it is its job to squeeze people until they deliver and a cultural understanding that, yeah, we're going to miss the date. Everything's going to be late. And you're, you're contrasting that with a group of people that are now told you never drop quality. Your primary goal is to become as predictable as possible. You will be able to ship every two weeks and talk a lot to those waterfall people so you know that you're all going to hit the dates you've both agreed to. Every single time I've been in that situation, the waterfall people are like, we don't know where they are. And the agile people are standing there staring at their watches going, what's up? They said they were going to be here. <laughs> Um, so there's cultural problems. There's, I mean, are there ways to fix that or is it just everybody's going to have to struggle through that until the organization sorts it out? There's definitely a pull. Uh, once you start a transformation, what I have seen is that, you know, the leaders 
we have to have their support. They have to be on board with us going magic. One of the things is if you hit that door, if you hit that wall, um, and you're not getting that support from the leaders of those waterfall teams, you're going to have to send leadership in to have those conversations. I think that there are uh, very real conversations that need to be had at that point. But I do think that there is a way to get teams talking and ways to get the work aligned so that the timelines can match up. It may, it's going to be a push and a pull um, between the teams. And it's, again, constant communication. So an agile team, they may discover a dependency during a sprint and their deliverable is due in five days. They are going to have to go back to their product team if they can't get commitment from a waterfall team to say, look, we just recognize this. We just realized the impact to it. We're going to pause on this. We're going to take the next most important thing and bring that into our uh, sprint. And then we're going to put this back into backlog and we'll coordinate. We need your help product team to help coordinate with this waterfall team to get this into our next sprint. So I think those are some of the conversations that can be had. Okay. Do you ever do any kind of like risk management practice in this situation where you would say to management, look, you know, we're going to try to sync these teams up, but every bone in my body tells me the waterfall folks are going to be late to the party. So we have to have a strategy or some kind of mitigation plan in place. And I'm not trying to say that you should make it okay, but that I would expect that that would happen. And I'd want to have something ready to deal with, you know, some way of coping with it. Absolutely. So there's different tools that we can use. There's when the portfolio team is thinking through and kind of prioritizing all the work, they use what's called a cost of delay. So as part of that, you know, we can say, here's what the cost is to delaying this project if it's going to be a big impact um, to the broader picture, the broader work. From a program team perspective, once you start looking at the different features and the work that's involved, we do what's called a risk mitigation worksheet. So with that worksheet, we can look at what are all the risks and how are we going to mitigate those risks. So that is a tool that we can use and we can provide to leadership to take to that other team's leaders to say, hey, we need some help here. Here's some risks that we're in the middle of. Here's kind of what the cost of delaying this project might be. So there's definitely different tools that we can use as far as risk is involved. Do you have anything that you can use to track dependencies across teams? Any, any, because that's something that comes up all the time. You know, how do you track that um, from, you know, across multiple teams in an organization? And I, and I don't, using agile tools, I don't have a great way of doing that. Yeah. So some of the ALM tools do that fairly well. Some don't do it at all. Uh, there, so there's times where you may have to use a manual spreadsheet. I've seen teams tape up uh, paper all the way across a wall and start stringing together all the dependencies. So it looks like a little bit of a cardboard. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen different ways that teams have done that. Ultimately, I think you know once you have a Kanban board, whether it's a visual board, something within your ALM tool, I think it's important to have some sort of a column in there on waiting, right? So kind of a waiting status. So if you're dependent on something, you've got notes in there saying what you're dependent on. 
the ALM tools don't do it very well from that perspective, but you can create ways to show that. Okay. Can I switch topics a little bit? Yes, feel free. So if you've got an environment where you've got agile people working alongside waterfall people, there's the, the struggle of the work delivery of work, but there can also be a struggle of culture. I mean, we've got, you know, this, this group that is being kind of taken over to the agile side of things. And, and the way I tend to look at projects, that's a very different value system than a waterfall group. Um, and now they have to work together. So we've got one team that's focused on people and helping them find the best way to localize decision-making and deliver great stuff. And the other one that's treating them like animal farm and we will work harder and keep cracking the whip until we squeeze something out of you. Um, how do you create a culture where those teams can work together and deliver because they're treated so differently? They are treated very differently. And I think it's sharing knowledge at the end of the day, everybody is there for a purpose. And I think if I can maybe even further my understanding, a good example for me, Dave, that you might relate to is kind of a mainframe team versus, you know, a, a web team or something where mainframe teams going to definitely work more in a waterfall manner. Their projects are longer. Um, we're working with, I'm going to use the word archaic um, systems a lot of times that, you know, take a lot of thought, take a lot of time to get things through versus a web team where you can spit stuff out fairly quickly. Am I heading down a right direction for you? Yeah. I'm, I mean, there isn't really a wrong direction. I'm just kind of trying to explore it and see what your thoughts are on it. I think it's really about sharing knowledge and it's about creating a sense of empathy across the organization. So you know, waterfall teams versus agile teams, one's no better than the other. You still have dedicated people working their hineys off to get shit done. Right. I think that, you know, you've got an agile team that, you know, they really, for some organizations, I think they almost put agile teams on a pedestal. And there's really, you know, they kind of try to push along their waterfall counterparts. And there's no point in doing that when, you can coexist and help them to understand that you can break that work down and maybe help to deliver something a little bit sooner. Okay. I think it's important too that agile teams don't look down on other teams and a waterfall team shouldn't look down on an agile team. But okay. So my experience, my experience, maybe it isn't good experience. Um, was that all the agile people were always talking to me and they'd say things like we've proven. And it was like the universe, except you, you dumb bastard. We've all proven that this doesn't work and that doesn't work. And they, they talked to me like I was like the slow kid. Um, <laughs> and the waterfall management people were just as bad because they were like, Oh, they're agile. They don't do anything. Right. They just sit down and wave their hands in a circle and talk about outcomes we actually plan and deliver work. Look at my Gantt chart. And, you know, they're just waiting for the agile fad to pass. But so there, I think that that, I, I don't know, this is one thing, maybe there's not an answer to this one right now, but it is something that I think is, is a curious problem because each side in some respect is going to be looking down their nose at the other side. And I've never, I think that you mentioned empathy is really important. I've never heard anybody talk about that before. And, and I'm, and I'm, thinking that that would be a really important part of helping this transformation flow better if you've got mixed a mixed organization. 
Absolutely. And that's one of the things as a coach and now a consultant that I've really pressed upon all of my teams is to have empathy through not only a transformation, but as new teams come into the mix, because at some point you're going to start working with other teams as products evolve, as you know, the organization evolves and having that empathy and just building that understanding for their pressures and what they're doing. Nobody wants to feel unappreciated. Yeah. And it's nobody's intent to make somebody feel that way, but it can absolutely come across that way. So helping to raise awareness around that, I think is super important. Have you ever tried to have a, I mean, we have retrospectives with the team, but I'm, I'm wondering if you've ever tried to have a retrospective where you've got the waterfall teams and the agile teams together talking about how they can function more efficiently in the organization together? Yeah, I actually have. When it comes down to, through a transformation, one of the most recent places I was at, we had a couple of very large projects that were like smack dab in the middle of, you know, a two-year time span. And we came in with the transformation and started doing this work. And so, you know, not only did you have this huge project, but you had half the teams going agile and half still in waterfall. And so what we did in that case was an overall project retrospective. And it was very enlightening to see one of the things I usually impress upon teams as we go through a retrospective is to talk about their feelings. You know, how did something make you feel? Let's talk about how we can make that better. So they'll put a situation up in the, you know, to be improved column. And so we'll talk about how they can, you know, improve upon that based on some of the reactions and some of the feelings with the team. So when we talk about um, communication, it's not just, I mean, I I have always told people that it's about over communicating everything, especially deadlines and, you know, status and stuff like that. But you're talking about it at a much more interpersonal level and helping the organization figure out, like, you know, where's the rub here? What can we do culturally to make this easier for everybody to get along and work Absolutely. together? Okay. Yeah, because you start those conversations as you're finding things, as your transformation's getting underway, and you're finding those little niches and those little, you know, headbutting situations, it's easier to start building that relationship then and do a little bit of give and take here and there and continue to foster that relationship because as your transformation progresses, they may become an agile team, but they may not. So if they aren't an agile team, you know, kind of going into the conversation around, you know, if you're into your transformation and you've got regular release planning happening, you're going to want them to participate. You want them to show up, you want them to be engaged, and you want them to be part of that planning process so they're aware of all the timelines that are happening and that they can be part of that. You want them part of your success. Yeah. Well, when you say, so you just said showing up, and I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit what you mean by that, because I find that the agile part of my brain thinks of of those words very differently than the project manager part of my brain. How do you think of it? Well, I think, you know, for, for, that was a great, so that was a very good coaching technique. Um, <laughs> ask the team. Uh, I guess from a project management standpoint, I think of showing up as like, I have to be there, like physically my body, my carcass has to be in the room. Um, but from an agile perspective, showing up is not only is my body in the room, but my heart and my brain are there with intent and engaged. Yes. Yep. You nailed it. 
And I think that it's easy to get waterfall people to show up in a waterfall definition. Like I can see where they might come to the retrospective. Um, but th this is sort of the next question. I'm wondering like how, how do you coax them? And maybe this is like more of a social engineering thing, but how do you <laughs> talk them into really being there with the, with the agile people? Yeah. And it's, it is, it's about being present, making sure you're listening. One of the challenges I see, and I will wrap back around to kind of how I, some ways to maybe do that. Um, but you know, I think one of the concerns that I've always seen in release planning sessions is waterfall teams a lot of times handle their own issues as well. So say a priority issue comes in or they're on their laptops or, you know, there's a lot happening for them and they're easily disengaged from conversation. So I think some of the things that you can do, and it's by no fault of their own, right? It's just how they've been working. So I think some of the things that you can do have another team take their on-call for that day. Have, you know, give them all of the time and space and energy that they need to actively participate. Do, and then for the people in the room that are leading those sessions, hopefully there's some coaches there as well. I would say a lot of times I would kind of even go between my waterfall teams and my agile teams. Just I would even take them under my wing as a coach a little bit just to help them feel involved with it. And then if I see them pulling back from something in a planning session or not asking some of the questions I think they should be asking, coaxing them a little bit, helping them feel engaged. Because I think a lot of times too, they might feel left out. And I think that's, that's something that everybody needs to be cautious of. And nobody, again, it's nobody's intent to make them feel left out. Yeah. But I think the nature of it being something that's agile, they're, immediately not jumping at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, when you said, I, when you were talking to that, one of the things I was remembering was I did a management session, like agile for managers thing workshop at a really big company. And one of the first things that, you know, I said to the management, like, why are you guys here? And one of the, one of the managers in the room said, I just, I, I want to not feel stupid when I'm in a room with those agile people. And I have seen a lot, and I did this too, a lot of waterfall people just clam up because the agile people say stuff and the waterfall people end up feeling, I don't want to say anybody's making anyone feel a certain way, but the waterfall people feel like they didn't get half the textbook. Like there's something that they weren't told that everybody else knows and they don't want to talk because they want to get, get smacked down. Mm -hmm. um, coaxing them out of that shell can be very hard and, and getting them into a place where I mean, what I always tell people in class is like, you're never, the agile changes so fast. You're never going to know it all. And you're always going to feel like the dumb one. And you're just going to have to suck it up because we all feel that way. We do. Um, yeah. It's not a secret society. Well, it kind of, <laughs> kind of is, but there's always somebody who knows it better than you. That's true. However, <laughs> but anybody can learn. And, you know, I think, I have also done kind of shortened versions of Agile Fundamentals, kind of a one-on-one, -on -one, one hour to business people, to waterfall teams, to leadership, just so that people can, you know, once the buzz starts, yeah. people are whispering, right? It's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. I might want to learn about it. Um, some people totally, you know, grab onto it and others shy away from it. But there's opportunities there to do things like that as well that I think would help teams. Okay. 
I want to turn it completely around now. What okay. if I'm on a waterfall team and I'm going to have to work with Agile? What do I need to know or be prepared to deal with so that they don't screw me up and I can be ready for them? My number one thing that I would tell a waterfall person going to an Agile team is do not go to your bestie and do not say, hey, can you just do this for me? <laughs> okay. So like the secret side project. <laughs> but that, that's important because they know how to get stuff done and they, they just work the system that way. They do. And it's side of the desk. And this to me is one of the hardest things for people to not do is go to their friend and say, hey, I just need this. I know it's not going to take you long. And it may not take you long. And that person's going to feel so guilty saying no to you. But one of the goals of Agile is predictability and creating a lot of that transparency within the Agile teams. And that's one of the key things we have to do. And so we're always telling our Agile teams, don't do stuff side of the desk. If it's work that's not on the board, it's not work. And what that means is that the team really needs to all have talked about it in a sprint planning session. And they need to be focused just on the stuff they have to do to deliver what they promised to deliver. Exactly. So they have their commitments in a sprint and that lack of transparency and things coming in that's going to impact their sprint and it's going to impact the team ultimately because there's, you're trying to build trust with your team as well. And so if a piece of work comes in, so if I'm a waterfall person and I know something needs to be done, I would take that probably to a scrum master and say, hey, I, I've got this work and I need this to be done. Here's my timeline. And the okay, scrum master is going to go all lumber going, yeah, that'd be great. You know, we're not going to do that. I know. I know. <laughs> But the expectation needs to be set that we're in a sprint right now. Here's when our sprint's done. Our next planning session is on this day. And based on a review of this request, we might be able to get it in then. We'll take a look at it and we'll let you know. So this is hysterical because the waterfall person is coming to the agile person and asking for flexibility and the agile person is saying no. <laughs> Well, it depends too. What is it going to be the next highest priority? So yeah. that's one of the things. And there are absolutely instances where it's an emergency and needs to get in. So if it is, that's where they would go to a scrum master and say, hey, this needs to go in. Here's my reasoning why. I don't necessarily know that those teams would be doing a risk matrix or anything like that, but they're coming to them saying, you know, this needs to be done. Here's why it needs to be done. This is why it needs to be prioritized. They've got to have their ducks in a row with that information. Yeah. The master's equipped to help prioritize that. You know, you just gave me an idea. Like I think maybe one of the conversations to have for the folks that are, you know, trying to help the waterfall people get ready is to help them understand that if, let's say it's a scrum team, if they're doing that well, they have, everything is based on the discipline of their practice. Like that's what makes it work. And so if you do come and ask them to add something in, they should be saying no. And they're expecting you, Waterfall team, to be where you said you're going to be. And they're going to be completely open if they're not. So maybe just level setting with the Waterfall team, like, you know, if, if something's wrong, they're supposed to tell you right away. If you ask them to do extra stuff, they're supposed to say no. Mm -hmm. um, then the Waterfall team that is more accustomed to hacking their own system to get work done 
could figure out how to hack their own behavior so that it doesn't, you know, create that dissonance with the agile team. That might be worth looking at too. Absolutely. I think it's a great approach. Um, Communication. (laughs) What's that? Communication. Setting that. So let's, when people ask this question in class, they're always looking for like, what's the answer? Like, what's the tricky thing that I do? And and I want to just go back to some of this stuff. So you, you mentioned that having some kind of risk mitigation strategy is important. And you talked about communication, which that's going to apply to the deliverable, to how the teams are working together, to being open about what we can and can't do and different practices and stuff like that. Um, is is there anything else that you that you think people should be kind of tuning into or being like hyper aware of when they're trying to have waterfall and agile teams work in, a, in an environment together? I'm going to go back to that empathy, and I okay. think it's interesting that you haven't had anybody bring that up before. I think that it's super important that teams have empathy for each other and have an understanding and appreciation for the work that each other does. And what they're, and also I would add what they're going through. Yeah. Cause that's that a lot of it's churn. I mean, if you just have to do waterfall or you have to do agile fine, but when you have to do both together, it's a mess often. Mostly. It can absolutely be a mess. And I think that as teams start their transformation, that's one of the things that we have a lot of conversations about. I'm very real about that. It is going to be messy for a little bit. Yeah. And that's okay. It takes teams three sprints to really start to figure out what it's going to look like in that new world. As they're going through that, you've got water team, waterfall teams who are potentially, you know, throwing, lobbing things over, still going their old ways as teams are trying to get spun up. And so there is a lot of messiness in there. You have a lot of, I don't understand what they're doing, have a lot of I don't understand what I'm doing. So there is a lot there to uncover. And just having that empathy for each other, having those discussions early and often, and helping not only the resources on the you know, waterfall delivery teams understand that, but up the chain, if you will. So the managers and even the executive leaders. And Again, I think I said earlier, they could potentially be coming to those meetings later on. We yeah. want them on board. We want them to understand. Yeah, I think that's that's another big thing, too, is just be welcoming to everyone. Um, invite them in to see what's going on. Because that, that outreach can be a big, a big way to create some of that empathy. And do some pair programming even with them. Have them come and sit with you with their laptop and... Start to work together. Shut yourselves in a conference room. Okay, here's how I would do it. Tell me what you're doing over here and helping to maybe figure it out. Maybe there is a better way. Yeah. And that, I think that another thing to consider there too is that, especially for the waterfall teams that are so focused on deadline, what you just mentioned might be a play for kind of the longer tail. Like we've got a bigger game here going on. We have to learn how to do this together. Let's strengthen the organization. And yeah, we might deliver a little bit less right now, but we're going to be better off in the long run. Um, that less short-sighted approach is an important thing to keep in mind as well. It absolutely is. Yep. Cool. This was really great. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and follow up with questions or anything, what is the best way for them to reach you? I would say my email address. It's aj.sanford at leadingagile.com. 
Okay. And I will make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Uh, anything like social media stuff you wanted to track you or stalk you on? Sure. LinkedIn. I'm out there under AJ Sanford. Okay, cool. I'll include a link to that as well. All right, AJ, thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> 